All right. Well, welcome those who have braved the rain and the cold weather to come out this evening to Hilltop. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I get the privilege of bringing the word to you today, of which I'm very excited. But I just want to interject with this, that you might want to give a listen to last Sunday's message, because listening to today's message can almost be like coming into a conversation midway. Is it, those are awkward, aren't they? You know, like when you come in, let's say Douglas and Will are chatting, and you're like, hey guys, oh yeah, Bobby Sue is really, she's just not good. And, and so, and then you find out Bobby Sue is fine, and they're not even really talking about Bobby Sue. So what I'm trying to say is, you don't want to come into mid-conversation, it would be good to go listen to last Sunday's message uh, in order to really understand fully this message that I'm going to give today. Um, don't listen to the one prior last Sunday's because it's just terrible. All right, just saying. Would have went big in, in Sunday school. I know we'll put it up anyways. Bless it be. I didn't get to him in time enough, but oh well. Um, it would have went great in, in Sunday school, but not so good out here. Kids would have loved it, but not you people. So anyways, well, let's pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this book you've given us. And Lord, we ask God today there would be an anointed to preach Lord, to your people, that they might be fed and transformed. God, I empty myself even now of myself. No one has come here tonight to hear from me. So, Lord, I ask God, let my words be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, last Sunday, for those who were here, we were in um, Hebrews chapter 12, And we were talking about uh, running the race with endurance, the race that God has set before us, and understanding the way God loves us through the means of his discipline. (gasps) I know. It's really there. It's scripture. It's not my words. It's Paul's words. So you're going to have to hold him too. But I want to kind of take up uh, where I left off. So if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And there's a verse I kind of ended off last Sunday with. I didn't really get into explanation, but it was a powerful verse, I thought. And I just felt like if I was to get into a lot of dialogue and unpacking it, that it probably would have took another half an hour, and Steve would have been looking at me really awkward to say, end the service, please. So I decided to eject. But anyways, we're going to go back there to Hebrews 12, verse 10. And this is going to be our springboard for the message. Okay. Hebrews 12, verse 10, if you brought your Bibles. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Some of you are saying, praise God. (laughs) Doing the best that they know how. Some of you are saying, well, I don't know about that. They could have done a little bit better. Uh, But God's discipline is what? Always good for who? Us. That's the NLT. So that we might share in what? What does your translation say? His holiness. If you're reading the NLT, which in my opinion is really the only translation to really. No, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Please, please. Let's just laugh a little. But it says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. I don't know about you, but I never knew uh, that I could share in the holiness of God. I don't know about you, but growing up, I didn't hear much of the holiness message in church. 
So this is remarkable to me. So God's discipline is nothing like our earthly parents, right? It's kind of what Paul's saying. And he kind of, he kind of gives this jab a little bit. He's kind of convincing the listener to say, listen, you cannot measure the discipline of God by your earthly parents, right? So that's, uh, that's good. We need that because some of us have not had good um, examples. Even the best of parents pale in comparison in light of the discipline of God, the perfection of God. Isn't that true? So even if you have the best mom and dad, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I know many of us. Uh, listen, Mondu is a great dude. I, lo- I want Mondu to be my dad. Okay, that's how much I love the man. Not really, but if he could be, that'd be cool. That mean I'd be related to the Riyadh. That'd be, that'd be a little weird. But anyways, but, but even the best, track with me, Steve, don't get lost. Even the best of dads pale in comparison. Even the dads who decide, who make a choice, like me. I, I am making a, a, an effort, a choice to try to discipline and raise Abram up in the things of God. But even in my best attempts in doing that, pales in the comparison to what God can do for Abram. I often pray, I say, God, you love Abram far much more than I do. How can that be? But he does, doesn't he? So that way, his discipline, Paul is saying, is perfect. It needs no uh, improvement, you know? It needs nothing. It's perfect. The discipline of God is always good for us, period. Just because our earthly parents may have screwed it up, doesn't change the fact, like I said, God's discipline is always good. It needs no help. It needs not to be approved. It's perfect, period. And God's discipline, as we learned earlier in chapter 12, this is why it's so important that you need to go back to last Sunday's message and hear it. God's discipline is what? The evidence of his love. And by it, we have the confidence that we are what? As children. Isn't that what we learned last week? That, that God's discipline is the affirmation of us being a child of God. Because it, Paul said what? If you're not being disciplined by God, and I'm paraphrasing, please, you're going to have to go back. But if you're not experiencing the discipline of God, it may be due to the fact that you're an illegitimate child. Ah, scary. Matter of fact, out of all of the first couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 12, that is an alarming passage to me. It's not the fact that God might discipline me or correct or reprove me. The fact of the matter is the thing that concerns me the most is if he doesn't. Why? Because I, you, want to be a son and a daughter, don't we? And what father doesn't discipline his son or his daughter, right? Okay. Enough, Daryl. Okay. So, it's God's discipline is the evidence of his love and really the affirmation and confirmation that we are his children. But here Paul says that we can, what, share in the holiness of God. So it's almost like God's discipline is twofold. It has two purposes. It's amazing. So what, here Paul says in the beginning verses of Hebrews chapter 12, that, that you know, you're my child. If, if, God, if I am God and I am to discipline you, that means I'm your child. You should uh, be encouraged. That's what Paul says. I don't know about you. My son doesn't necessarily get encouraged when I discipline him so funny. Thanksgiving Day, I had to bring some correction. He's wild. You know, he's an only child. We're working on it. Uh, but he's an only child, and he, he just gets, when he gets in a group, it's like, you may have noticed. I mean, you may have noticed. When he gets in a group, it's just a boom, 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 
boom. Where's Abram? Oh, bing, boom. There he is. You know, he's just excited to be around people because, you know, 90% of his time is just mom and dad. I mean, we, 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 we obviously do co-ops, and we don't, he's not left to himself. But he, when he gets around people, he is just, woo! Sorry. People are here. It's good. Let me show you how cool I am. So anyways, we're in Thanksgiving, and he's just bouncing off the walls, and we're trying to, like, we're trying to get going to my parents' house, and it's like, okay, we're trying to rein them in, like, slow down, child, slow down. And it just got to a boiling point where we had to take them in the bathroom. And we didn't swat them. I don't think any swatting was going on, but uh, we're, we're just disciplining him and trying to correct some of the behavior that we, if we can, he was tired too, and that always, he's like me. If I get tired, it's over, Johnny. I'm just like a meatloaf. I turn into a whole other person, you know? So what did he say? Oh, hold on a second. I got a, honey, are you in the room? <laughs> what did Abram say to me in the bathroom? Which is a good thing. We don't want him to be afraid anyways, but that's good. (laughs) You're always trying to combat me. I will defeat you. He's been watching a little bit too much Lego Batman, I think. He just needs to... We need to wean him off a little bit because everything is about war, defeating, and combat. I don't know why I'm sharing this. I'm sure I had a good point. Discipline. We had to discipline him. But it turned out all right. So God's, God's discipline, it, it has a twofold purpose in our life. One is that we might be encouraged and we might know that we are children of God. Another is that we might share in his holiness in verse 10. And I want to get kind of into that. You know, what does Paul mean by sharing in the holiness of God? You just just think about it, you know, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but holiness is not a message that is really preached in the church today. I know you may hear a lot about it here, to, you know, in our church. I'm happy for that. I'm grateful that we talk a lot about holiness and living right and, and, and doing right things. But, but here, here Paul is saying, listen, yes, holiness is to uh, show you that you're a child of God, but it's also to make a way. For you to share in whose holiness God. And of course, we know that we will never be holy as God is holy. Listen, I know all the, I know all the tricks. I know, you know, well, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Praise God. In light of God's righteousness, you're absolutely right. Okay? All is sin and falls short of the glory of God. Duh. You're looking at a very sinful man this evening before you today. I get it. But please, just because those one or two scripture verses that kind of uh, back your theology about the holiness of God, don't throw out that God wants to share his holiness with us. That's remarkable to me. A sinful man who now has given his heart to Jesus cannot just rejoice in eternity with God, but on earth... I can share in God's holiness. And I want to get into this today. It's important, I think, that, you know, Paul is, you know, because, listen, some of us have a bad theology. We think that wholeness or holiness is going to take place when we're all wrapped in white. 
that's good. We'll be perfected in holiness in heaven. That's a great thing. But don't set the bar so low because Paul is saying there's something you can share in in the area of God's holiness today. Don't, listen, don't throw your stones right yet, okay? Don't get rid of, don't throw your mental rocks at me right there, your verbal mental rocks, okay? I love you. And listen, if there's anybody here that needs this message today, it's me. I'm the greatest among sinners. I, I, I am not coming on a platform. The ground at what Christ did on the cross is level. We're all on the same playing field, baby. But I would hate for us to do away with a fundamental principle in Scripture just because people are trying to say, you'll never measure up. You'll never miss the mark. I mean, you'll never meet the mark. You'll never be able to get over this hump in your life, this constant hook, this constant addiction. This const- The truth is, you will and you can. And Christ paid a way for you to do that. Okay, we're jumping way far. Let me find myself. <laughs> I'm right here. And I find myself here. Okay. If you would, let's turn to uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. We'll get this scripture. Now, we're probably familiar with this scripture. This is Paul warning Timothy about the certain things that would be going on in the last days. This is, this, is, this is a while ago, so we must still be in that period, right? I mean, certainly, the last days have just progressed, right? I mean, they just didn't end when Timothy died, so they, they should be going on still because I haven't seen any clouds open up or Jesus kind of appear and kind of bring his church back or whatever. So we can say today confidently that we're in the last days. Who knows where we are in the cycle? Who knows where we are in the progression? But Paul said, listen, I want to warn you, Timothy, of some dangers in the last days. And I want to use this in my message today. So let's read, starting in verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love them only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now I want us to focus in on verse 5. And we know this verse. There's probably some hellfire and brimstone preachers who have abused this verse, but I'm not one of them. But I think it's just, I just want to kind of highlight. So, verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power of God that could make them godly. Let me just read that one more time. Verse 5. They will act religious. They will have, Timothy, the appearance of religion, of devotion to God. But they will reject the power that could have made them godly. Some version says holy. 
In the King James, I believe this is what it says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could have made... Sorry, let me just read the King James. That's not the King James version. The King James, they would have a form, that's right, of godliness, but deny the power thereof. You know, the word form in the Greek means morphosis. It means to give the appearance of something that's not really there. You know, I can't help but kind of relate to this, even the dangers of it in my own walk, where we have been comfortable with a form. We have been comfortable with the appearance. But somewhere, I believe, in our theology, we have forgotten that there is a power like Paul said to Timothy, that can actually make us godly. And now we're not talking about godlike. If you look up that word in the Greek, it simply has all the definitions of purity, holiness, righteousness, right living. So this says to me that actually people in the last days will make a deliberate choice to reject the power of God that could have made them holy. I don't know about you, but I've been in church circles, in church environments for a good 13, 14 years, maybe more. And I cannot help but notice a trend that tries to sweep, tries to hide, and tries to make the powerful God who has the ability to make us holy. Now, I know make sounds like such, oh, how can you, you know, what is, how do you deal with this? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Of course it is. If you measure it to the righteousness of God. But I can't help but notice in the church that we just will do away with this type of language. Just because it doesn't, it doesn't find place. None of us probably in this room, maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but none of us probably, when we look at our lives, can see the power of God working within us to actually be righteous or to be godly or to be holy. Matter of fact, probably all of us just see our sin, our shortcomings, our weakness, what we did last night. But what would it be if preachers, if people who preach the word would simply set the bar higher for the church rather than just sweeping under the rug what seems so unattainable because we are so weak and we are so prone to our human nature and and, and to just walk away from God, make stupid decisions. Maybe I'm just talking about myself today. But really, if you are honest, what's before you today? Your weakness, your sin, or the potential that God has for you in and through Christ Jesus? Because if you're always looking at the whoop, you know, oh my God, I just did that last night. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I'm a Christian. And don't act like you don't know what I'm... You know, I am so tired of the church. And I, 
I'm even tired of the statement, but I am tired of the church not being real. I am so tired of believers having just a form of religion, but denying the power of God in their life to actually make them a witness and a testimony of the transformational power of God. I'm, not just, I'm a Christian. That's nothing more than a name tag. Brother Daryl, hallelujah. You don't want to follow me Monday through Saturday because it's just a... It's just a hot mess. You know what I mean. Listen, don't get, com- don't get uncomfortable. We're all in the same boat. The Bible says that all things are common among the brethren. What does that mean? That means what I go through, it's almost sure that you go through. The things that I face, there's nothing new under the sun. All things are common among the brethren. I'm pretty sure you face so I'm just looking at my own life today and saying, well, in light of Scripture, all things are common among the brother, so they must be. If I'm here, they must be with me, right? Some of you are saying, well, some of you are getting red in the face. Some of you are joyous. We're going to get, we're gonna get to, to get to some, some truth here. So, well, <laughs> that sounded bad, of course. But Paul says to Timothy, listen, they will reject the power that could have made them godly. Remarkable statement, I believe, because it identifies a choice that actually people have. And it also identifies that there is actually a power within God to make us holy. And I know Steve's thinking, well, yeah, when I'm in white robes, right? I'm in foreign and glory. No! What would be the point in that? We already know that, right? When we see the perfect, when we get to heaven, we will be like him, right? So why would we even use language like this? Why would Paul use language like this with Timothy? Why would he use it in Hebrews that we can share in the holiness of God? Because he's showing you something that is for you today, not in eternity. You'll be perfected in it in eternity but you can share in it today you know I've touched upon this in the beginning season of the start of actually what we called at that time the EGS service, the Encountering God service. And um, we, we did a, a sermon on righteousness and just kind of, you know, putting forth truth of what righteousness of God really means. And the reason I, I want to kind of go back to it because, you know, we have to be careful. You know, back, back in the day, and I'll just give a little of my own testimony, and maybe some of you have heard this already, maybe some of you have not. But back in the day, um, I was part of a youth ministry. Uh, I was a worship pastor for this youth ministry, and my wife and her mother were actually the pastors of the group. So I would simply just come and lead worship and pastor kids and worship, kind of like what I do here. And uh, they would kind of do the pastoring, you know, discipleship and all that stuff. And... Um, you know, I remember there came a season where God really started opening good doors for uh, the, the group that I was in, the little band, little boy band that I was in. Uh, but, you know, we rocked. I mean, we got to open for Delirious. I mean, some of you may not know who that is, but back in the day, that was the thing. Okay? Martin Smith. Ah, it was good. 
So God was opening some dramatic doors. But you know, unfortunately, when God was opening such cool doors, my pride got so big. Rather than being grateful for what the Lord was doing, I got swollen. My head just... And I just thought I was untouchable. I thought I was great. And people were just coming to hear me. And it's all about me, 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 me. Bow down. Do you see what I'm doing? You're not doing it. Hallelujah. Okay? And it was just bad. And uh, there, was, there was obviously, with that pride, there was a little bit of rebellion. We just didn't want to look like the church. We wanted to be able to watch rated R movies. <gasps> and listen to secular music. I remember going to a Nazarite conference. Don't let me explain. Okay. No, I'm not going to do it, Steve. You can't make me. I remember going to a Nazarite conference. And Lou Engel and uh, Dutch Sheets, Cheyenne, uh, a couple others. I don't know, all of them. But we were leading worship. And at that time, we just thought we were the cat's meow. Now, here's a Christian band leading worship in front of two to 3,000 people. And my drummer wears a T-shirt with animal from the Muppets. It says, now, Christians, mind you. It says, um, what does it say? Hold on. I know it didn't say sex because that would just be a little too far. I would have slapped him. But it was pretty, you're at a Nazarite conference. It's just, uh, maybe not the best shirt. But it said something like rock and roll, girls, and something else. It just was so, ant but that was like, that was like the attitude in us. We're not just, we're not going to, I actually called the Nazarite conference the Naza nerds conference. That's how bad it was, pathetic, right? But I thought it was cool at the time. I'm like, I think you guys are a bunch of Naza nerds. <sighs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. All right, so there was just a, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're laughing. And hopefully, you know, it's okay if it's at me. And not at my jokes, but literally at me. But what I'm saying is that there was such a rebellious, there was such a, a heart that's going to, we're going to be countercultural in the church. Whatever that means. <laughs> we're supposed to be countercultural in the world. And we're like, no, we're going to go against the church. <laughs> Stupid, right? But that was the attitude. Lame. And, and my wife, God bless her, I can't believe that I'm married to her today. Man, do I have some stories. But she was like the poster child at youth group for Nazarite. Ah. It's like, I mean, she just was Bethany, the Nazarite, you know? And it was good, but yet the person that we seem to kind of want to go countercultural, you know, kind of like, we will not, we will listen to secular music. We will watch rated R movies. It was Bethany. And the rebellion honestly was just against this, is that God would actually work something greater in us. The real, the real, the real war was at sanctification. It wasn't at Bethany. She was just merely the poster child for it. The, the real war was just, we are not going to be religious. Isn't that the thing? When somebody makes a choice to say, you know what? I'm... I'm giving my heart to the Lord, and I'm not just going to give my heart to the Lord, but my life is going to reflect 
where my heart is with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just saying, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. Praise Jesus. That's good. Let's, what are we doing tonight? But it's, it's something like, it's something like, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and my decisions are going to reflect where my heart's at with the Lord. I'm actually going to not just say I'm going after God, but I'm actually going to live a life that reflects that and hopefully inspires other people to do that. But why is it when somebody rises up in the church like that, do we seem to start, heretic, you religious sell it. You Pharisee, I love that one, you Pharisee. Ah, I know you're just like those guys. No, no, no. See, the Pharisees gave the appearance of something that wasn't really real in the inside. It wasn't what they were doing was, was bad in, in, the sense of, in the sense of it was just a facade. It was just a form of godliness. But it really had. That's, so if somebody sincerely in their heart wants to go hard after the Lord and wants their life decisions and their life course to reflect uh, what they said in their heart and where they're going after the Lord, then why is it we are so quick to start judging and starts, you're religious. And, and, and there, we, this is the new one. Sorry, I don't know if you've heard this. You're intolerant. You're intolerant. You don't love people. I've been there. It was a couple of years, it was years ago, but I'm not there now. Praise God. But why is it when somebody decides to say no, no, this isn't just a name tag. This isn't just, I'm a Christian, and they will know I'm a Christian by my love. But this is a choice I'm making to live right, to, to, to make right choices, to live a godly life. There's a huge difference between a person putting on a religious front than a person who is sincerely pursuing God's power to transform them. Because remember, in 1 Timothy, Paul said that they denied the power that could have made them holy. Again, this tells us that there is a power in God to make us holy. Let's turn, if you would, real quick to 1 Peter 2.24. Everybody happy? Good? Okay. I'm happy. You guys wish you stayed home in the rain today, didn't you? Come on, let's be honest. Okay. First uh, Peter 2.24. It's okay to laugh in church. Thank you, Jesus, for laughter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds... You have been healed. Let me just read that again. He himself, he himself being Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree, right? We all know the story of the cross. Praise God. We, we know this, Steve. Um, that we might die to sin and live to what? Live to righteousness, die to sin, and live to righteousness. So in essence, we get to die to something, and we get to live in something. What do we get to die to? Sin. 
Is that, I, I, I'm only saying what uh, Peter wrote here. But we get to die to sin and live in righteousness or live to righteousness? I don't know about you. That's pretty remarkable. Let's turn. We're going to read a, a host of scriptures. I know it seems jumpy, but it's good because scripture is good. So let's go to Romans 6. Now we're going to read a host of scripture. We're going to actually read the whole chapter. I know what you're saying. In church, you're going to read a whole chapter. What? <gasps> No, we're actually going to do it, all 23 verses, so brace yourself. Listen, some of you can sit through Justin Bieber concerts and bad movies. Well, hopefully there's no Justin Bieber movie, uh, fans here, but you can certainly sit through some pretty lame movies. You do more pathetic things with your time than what you're doing here in the light of the kingdom of God. So true, right? Uh, Christina's like, yeah, just this morning? I mean, it, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Ah! So good that we can laugh in church. Man, the Bible says joy is like a medicine. Some of you need some joy. Okay. In light of reading chapter 6, we, we, we understand that chapter 5 is about what? It's about the grace of God, is it not? It's about the joy our faith in Christ should give us. What, why should we have that joy? Well, I don't know, because what Christ did. Okay, that's a good reason. There's a, there's a reason why the New Testament's called good news. Because it's good news, okay? It's real good news, Matt. It's real good news. And I would like to say this, that I believe that Romans chapter 6 is the balance, really, if I could say that. It's, it balances uh, uh, chapter 5 out, and I'm going to explain why, hopefully. Some of you are saying, I'm not too sure about that. Verse 1, and verse 1 for me is really what highlights this balance, okay? Because remember, in chapter 5, Paul is laying it on. Man, Christ did this for you, and you no longer live by this, but you live by this because what Christ has done, the grace of God. But now he comes in, and he's like, but let me just throw this little disclosure in for you. Let me just, let me just give you this so that chapter 5 doesn't get just a little bit out of control. You know, there's this, you know, uh, uh, you know, perverted grace, I guess, would, 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 would be the, the thing to say there. So let's, let's read verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Some of you are saying, yeah, why not? <laughs> of course not. Foolishness. Remember, this is the balance to chapter 5. Should we keep on sinning? Should we, should we keep on using the grace of God for a license to do what we want and to live how we want? No, of course not. Since we have died to sin, here he goes now using some of the same language as Peter. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Makes sense, right? If you're dead to something, I don't know. You know, it's, it would be pretty impossible to keep on Doing things, especially if you're dead. <laughs> or, verse 3, or have we forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined in his death. Paul's getting a little morbid on us. A lot of, a lot of death and dead talking going on. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism 
And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. Somebody say new lives. Come on, John Howard, say new lives. And we're not just talking about heaven new lives. We're talking about transformed bodies on earth, experiencing the new life of which Christ had given through his death and resurrection. Since we have been united with who? Christ. In his death, we shall also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves, that old sinful self, will be crucified, or I'm sorry, was crucified, thank you, with Christ, so that sin might what? Lose its power. Now there ain't going to be much need for a loss of the power of sin when you get into heaven, friend. Now many need, you're going to be perfected, you're going to be in your resurrected body. But there's certainly a need for that kind of freedom and breakthrough from sin, right? In today's body, right? In this old sinful mess. Let me read verse 6 again. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Powerful. You know, Romans 6 speaks for itself. So many people trying to give context in church. I don't know about you, but I'm so sick of that word. I use it a lot, but I get, I'm like, shut up! Stop using that word! Because you can so context, put scripture in context that it actually loses its salt and its power. And you just so try to make it modern and fit in your life. It doesn't work. Not that context is bad. Please hear me, all you guys who love context. I love context. And I love preachers who give context. But let's not, let's not, is contextualize a word? Thank you. Let's not contextualize Scripture to where it has no effect in our lives. Let's not just have a head knowledge of what the Word says and try to make it fit so that we feel better about our human condition. But let's just say it for what it is. I love Romans 6 because it's clear, it's powerful. Verse 7, For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of what? Sin. So Paul's talking about a lot of loosing, a lot of freedom of sin, a lot of dying and death. It's awesome. Verse 8, and since we died, there it is again, with Christ, we know we also will what? Live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and, we, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Verse 10, when he died, he died once to break the power of what? Sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Now here's a charge to us. So you also should consider. You should, always, you should also think of clearly yourselves to be what? Dead. To the power of what? Sin. I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I love these scripture verses. Let me just read that again. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Some of you think that 
it's one day God's just going to flip a switch and you're not, you're not going to have any of the more desires, the sinful desires that you had when you woke up. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Why? God is not a taskmaster. He's not trying to will or pull you into anything. He's not interested. He is a lover and he will always lead. Thirteen, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself what? Completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right. For what? The glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Don't get lost there. Okay, because a, a lot of us use that whole, oh, we're, not, we're no longer under the law. Of course not. That's not what Paul's saying. Let's, let, let's, oh, let's, let's track this. I'll explain. Let me just, okay. So instead, this is the last part of verse 14. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And there, now, again, in verse 15, he's going to re-emphasize this point in the beginning. He's going to re-emphasize it. And then he's going to go on another tangent. He's going to go on another explanation of, of just kind of confirming his main point to them. He says, well then, since, God grace, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean, doesn't it sound like the same language that he used in the beginning, does that mean we can go on sinning? And he goes, of course not. Don't you realize that you, became, you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. Now, the, the key word here for me is choose. Didn't we, we talked about this in, in, in Timothy, didn't we? About the choice to actually deny the power of God, the power to make us holy. And, and, and here, kind of Paul's using some of that same language. Don't you realize, verse 16, that you, can become, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You have a choice. You have a role to play in this. And whatever choice that you choose, you're going to obey. Makes sense. You can be a slave to sin which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to what? Righteous living. NLT. Praise God. Righteous living, Steve. Say it with me. Righteous living. I don't know about you, but I want some righteous living in my life. I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy to just... Get along and be a welcome mat for the devil. If God does not have, I'll say this all honesty, if God does not have the power to transform me and actually make me in the choices that I make reflect the image of Christ, I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to have a form, John, of godliness but denying the power that could what? It's not the power of like, the power of God! No, it's the power to make you holy. Woo! I need some of that power. Greatest miracle in life. Holy living before the Lord. 
Yeah, it's great. It's great when the dead rise. It's great when miracles happen. But the greatest miracle is someone coming alive to righteousness and actually living out righteous living in their day in life. Come on. That's a bar higher. Come on. So tired of a cheap message. A forever a victim. We should just start writing those songs in church. I'm a forever a victim. I'll just be walked over the rest of my life by my sins in my sorrows and trouble. No! Come on! I don't want, I don't want to forever be a victim. I want righteous living. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now, you must what? Give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness living so that you will become what my version says holy who like that now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy there's something so progressive about that for me i love like when scripture lays out a path that's not something i just got to I just step into, you know, all of a sudden, whoo, righteous living. It's pretty good over here. No, it doesn't happen like that. There's some kind of progression in God where, where you start with little achievements by the grace of God, where you start to overcome in little ways. You maybe start to turn off the television rather than leaving it on. You stop looking at pornography on the website, and you actually shut it down. There's something about those that are powerful and man could set you on a course righteous living be slaves of it <laughs> be a slave matthew to righteous living Woo! put that sunday morning on every pulpit come on verse 20 when you were slaves to sin you were free from the obligation to do what's right and what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. Verse 22, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now, what made us? What, what, what transaction took place to actually take us out of one world and put us into another? See, some of us are just still caught in this world. We got the banner over me as love. But we got Monday through Saturday, I'm a wayward, lawless, whatever. And, and, and some of us are like, no, come over here. Come over here. You don't, you don't have to be confused. See, over here is just confusion because you, you, you got the God thing in tandem to still trying to, you know, hold on to old ways and the world and trying to, trying to micromanage the, it ain't going to do anything for you. you got to come over here. It's much better. But what, what did this? What did this is when Christ 
paid for our sins on the cross. It just didn't give us a ticket into heaven, but it paved a way for us to share in the holiness of God. That's what 2 Peter 2.24 is saying. The cross just didn't start at saving you. It's going to bring you into sanctification. And some of us, we're just, we're, we're just good if we can get, get by. Salvation's good. Right? It's great. Great card. Because say, no, 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 no. It's not just, it's not just salvation. That's great. But I want to sanctify you. I want to lead you in a progression of righteous living unto what? Holiness. Will you be perfected in it? Of course not. But if you continue to set the bar so low, you'll never start the journey. If you are always a victim and you are always just, this is the way it's going to be, this is what I'm always going to struggle with, you will never start the path to, to start wanting more. It's so true. So many Christians just content with this double lifestyle. And I know that's old school, right? That's old school, double lifestyle talk. What is that, Carmen? No, but it's so true, right? There's so many of us that is divided in our loyalty. I just hear God, choose this day whom you will serve. Come on, just choose it. And it's, it's, it's really, I'm not, the Lord's, I can hear the Lord saying, I'm not trying to beat you up, but I'm going to say, if you can choose it, there's going to be a lot of freedom that was coming into your life. Come on. Verse 21. I'm sorry, verse 22. Here we go. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now you do these things that lead to holiness. Now you do these things. You got to do some things. I know works. There's another one we like to throw around. Well, it's it's not my, my works, you know, it's by, of course, we all know the work of the cross and what, it, but if you can't see yourself partnering to do exactly what Paul is saying here, let's, now you do those things. That means you got to do something. You got to do something of which you weren't used to doing, or maybe you didn't do in the past. Maybe the computer stayed on, and you fornicated, and you continue to fornicate. But no, today, because of what Christ did, and because Christ now has in his Lord over your heart, you got to shut it down, bro. you got to do those things. you got to do those things that lead to holiness. You start the walk. Christ is not a taskmaster. He is a lover. He only leads, and he leads by example. Come on. <laughs> 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin is insanity. It's insanity for the believer and almost will cause insane thoughts in your brain because you are divided but the wages of it the wages of this insanity is death but the free gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord i know i went 48 minutes i'm so sorry um i have so much more uh if we could let's just turn briefly our bibles to second corinthians 7 
I'm sure glad you guys made it out to church today. Is everybody there? Let's read. In, uh, actually, this is going to be 7, yeah, 1 through 10, actually, I believe. Um, oh, I don't know if I deleted. It might be 1, 7, and 10, but just bear with me. Um, because we have these promises, that should be verse 1. Dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body, our spirit. And let us work. Somebody say work. I know. You barely love your jobs. You, you barely love your nine to fives, right? But here the Bible is calling you to do what? Work. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. That was actually the title of my message today. Working towards complete holiness in the fear of the Lord. And I'm just going to touch upon these two scriptures. We're going to have uh, actually Pastor Najim Rafu with us next Sunday. And he's going to bring us the word. But I'm going to carry on from him. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the scripture. But I just want to close with the rest of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. Let me, let me just read that again. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for this kind of sorrow. <laughs> but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. I love, again, when the Bible points out progression, a progressive working out of. And, and this certainly does where he says, and let us work towards complete holiness. This means I'm not by nature. I don't by nature come by these things. I don't by nature. I, 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 I'm not always going to choose to do what is right. But I can work. I can, I can make the effort and, uh, and, and give the energy to say no. Why? Because I want to work towards complete holiness. Complete holiness. And you will never be able to do it apart from the fear of God. My Lord, if we have distorted anything, it's that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's a good thing today, guys, to fear God. I know you've probably been taught that you shouldn't, but you should. And we're not talking that you fear God in the way that you, uh, you fear somebody asking for your wallet on the street with a gun or a knife. That's not the fear we're talking about. It's a good thing to fear the Lord. And it's a great thing to work towards complete holiness. What does that mean? Guys, you've got to start making the effort now. You know what it is. You can't continue, some of you, to live divided. It's insanity. I've, I've done it. It's crazy. It's absolute craziness 
when you try to, to balance and walk the tightrope of pleasing two things or being a slave to two masters. It's insanity. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would just further lead us into your truth. And God, I do ask, Lord, if, if there's any confusion, Lord, that you would lead us, God, into a time of making the connections, Lord, through Scripture, but also we just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak powerfully to us, God. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us unto ourselves, unto our own thinking. But God, you delight in bringing us through. You delight in forging the image of Christ inside of us. You delight in disciplining us, God. We don't understand it because the way, Lord, we view discipline has been, Lord, one of the means of abuse, Lord. And, and even, Lord, where there's been lack of discipline, God, where it's created no borders. God, it's, it's been hard, Lord, to really see you as a God who disciplines. To see you as a God that is, should be feared. Lord, I ask, God, that you would do the work within us. Do the work within us. Give us a hunger for your word. Not just the internet preacher, God. Not just Sunday evening or Sunday morning. God, I ask, Lord, that you would give us an appetite for the Word of God and that you would give us understanding and knowledge. And through that knowledge, God, you would hold us accountable. Father, I pray for those here. I ask, God, that you would begin to lead them, Lord, in the progression of working, Lord, towards complete holiness and the fear of God. Lord, that you would give them the grace that is sufficient to make choices that are right and that are honorable in the eyes of God.